thank you very much, Jason, for having this conversation with me. Last time I contacted you was in 2011. I, it was kind of a beginning <laughs> of my music career, and I remember playing Dungeon Siege 3, and I love that game, oh, yeah. especially the music of it. Immediately, I tried to do a mock-up for that, and I remember it was a complete disaster, but the, with full of false confidence, I sent that track to you, and you gave me an amazing answer. It told me to keep, keep up the good work, and that was a life-changer. Every time I doubted myself, I remembered your response, and I was like, hey, Jason Gary said I'm good, so I'm good. <laughs> so I, I remember Now that you say that, I remember. I remember that you <laughs> yeah. sent a track. It was, it was good. I mean... So that's the thing. I think everybody has um, the natural ability to hear the worst in what they've done, yeah. right? Like you just, you just automatically <laughs> like, and, and because you've been sitting listening to it for the last day or the last two days or the last week or month, then it really sounds terrible to you. So that that's that's great. That's really nice to hear. Thank you. So I just want to uh, thank you for not letting that kid down for giving him hope. <laughs> <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. So, Jason, let's talk about your past. How was your childhood? How did you become a composer? Um, well, I mean, I, I could say that I grew up in a musical family because my mom played piano when she was younger, and then she uh, played in a, um, a handbell choir at church for a really long time, and my dad played um, drums, uh, like on the drum line in high school, yeah. and he also did some guitar in college, but... If I say I grew up in a musical family, to me, that's like, you know, my parents are musicians and I was like steeped in music from the very beginning. And they weren't musicians. They did that for fun. Yeah. Um, my yeah. mom, my mom definitely did it a lot more. My dad, it was more kind of in, in college and high school. And I think as a result of them enjoying doing that uh, for whatever reason, um, I remember in middle school, I, I had piano lessons when I was in elementary school, and there's a picture of me when I was like seven with these big olive gray 1970s giant headphone cans on, on my head. They're like too big for me, so they're sitting down here, and they're not even plugged into anything, but I thought it was important to wear the headphones, and I'm just playing on the piano. Um, but I wasn't, yeah. you know, like, I didn't really get into it until middle school because I remember the band director had all of her drummers that she had, percussionists in middle school, they were all in eighth grade. So when they were graduating, literally, she was going to have no drummers left. And she um, basically came into, I think, like, I was singing at the time, like the choir maybe, and said, I need some drummers. And I thought, my dad played drums. That sounds like that might be kind of fun. And he was like, yeah, I mean, I had a lot of fun. If you're interested, she had a class she was offering to teach you beginning drum stuff so you could be in the one of the bands like the following year. He said, if you're interested, you should totally do it because I really enjoyed doing drums. So I took the class and ended up getting placed like in advanced band just because I took to it like a fish to water. I really, really loved it. Um, and at the time in middle school, I was singing. Um, I was taking vocal lessons and I was also acting. Um, like on stage doing musicals and things like that, which is probably one of the reasons I love talking so much, just because I'm naturally extroverted that way. But I was also taking um, dance lessons. And one of the things I really loved was tap. Oh. And again, okay. with, with dance lessons, I got thrown into the like advanced tap class after a couple of months of beginning tap, just because there was something about that rhythm 
that like the way you were doing it with your feet like i really really enjoyed that so drumming sort of came natural as a result of that and then it was pretty much all over with because i was taking like snare drum lessons and vibraphone lessons and timpani lessons in high school um piano lessons as well i was still singing in the choir i was teaching myself um acoustic guitar and bass guitar and started learning um like got a keyboard when i was a senior in high school and then went to college and studied music and it just kind of was like this snowball effect so from from middle school during this uh, were you interested in making music for video games no no it was more playing music oh. i really loved playing music um playing instruments with with other people but you have to remember this was also i mean even in high school we're talking late 80s so there wasn't a lot of opportunities to do music to to write music um even especially on your own because the software and technology just wasn't around then it was like it wasn't even an abstract thought in my head um by the time the 90s rolled around i started getting into film music a lot and that's when i decided i wanted to become a composition major and and write music as as well as as play music and i started writing like my junior year in high school my band director was amazing and supported me for everything and was very much like well yeah write a piece we'll play it at the concert and how cool is that when you're you know 16 years old so he basically encouraged me to kind of go into um like writing and performing my parents always told me that I could do whatever I wanted to and um yeah in college I switched to film music and I graduated with a degree uh I mean I switched to composition I graduated with a composition degree and then I went to USC which is in California in Los Angeles and got a degree in film music there and then I kind of stumbled into games by way of film music like in 1999 I think um and it was literally just I'd been working on a lot of um commercials and movie trailers and ghostwriting for some films and doing a lot of reality television and just knew someone that needed music for a game and I thought that sounded like it would be fun. um the the very very first one that I worked on was called The Hobbit. Now this was like 18 years ago. It was before all the Lord of the Rings movies came out. It was a um GameCube game. And basically there was a composer in town with me. I'm from North Carolina, so I moved back to North Carolina like in the early 2000s. There was a composer in town who was an amazing guitar player and he'd done this really cool kind of Celtic guitar score, but there were parts that needed orchestra and he was going to be recording um one or two times with a live orchestra. He had a small budget, but he didn't really know a lot about arranging for live orchestra. So at first he just hired me kind of as a consultant and as the project went on I basically just kind of came on full time with the game. and yeah. um did all the orchestration a little bit of writing but all the orchestration and conducting and everything i think we had three different recording sessions and that was kind of like my avenue into getting to write more orchestra music because i got to do a little bit yeah. with film and with tele <clears throat> television and commercials but it was very limited it was a lot of stuff in the computer and i realized with games i could write more orchestra music if i could get some games kind of like that guy did and wow they're recording you know live orchestra for video games so that was sort of the beginning of the end for me because i 
firmly set my sights on games. And I think that came out in 2003, but I was involved with it like back in 2001. So it was about you know 17, 17 years ago that I started. So uh, were you a gamer back then, like 1919? I've always loved video games. My best friend in high school was the kind of guy that could go to the arcade with a quarter and play like 1941, which is this great like top-down scrolling um, airplane World War II game. He could sit there and play it for like 50 minutes. <laughs> And I put in my quarter, and I'd play for about 50 seconds. It's like I always loved um, watching him play, but it was always really disappointing when I tried to play myself. And it doesn't help now. All the games I'm working on, I'll have a dev kit, and you know, you can make yourself invincible and have unlimited ammo. And I enjoy playing then, but then when I go to play the actual game, it's like this is really hard. I think it's mostly I don't put the time in. To you know, to hone down the the the, the um, motor skills to allow. Oh, sorry, I'm doing my hands to to properly really play it because I enjoy like being visually entertained more than I do um, actually playing the games. And I think that goes back to my film kind of my film background. Um, I'm not, I'm not a huge uh, like I don't sit around and watch let's play videos or anything like that. But it is something where I'm I'm more entertained as a spectator than I am actually um, actually playing, which doesn't mean that I don't play. I'm just spending most of my time writing. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of time to be able to play. How does it feel when you play your own game that you scored? For example, how does it feel the first, when you Dead Space? Yeah, the first couple of times um, when I was able to play games that I worked on, it was like... The most amazing experience in the world because I it, in the beginning especially I didn't have a lot of interface with the companies I was just sort of throwing music over the wall and they were going this sounds great send us some more and I didn't have a lot of um like uh, interaction with the game as it was being made so the first time I think the first legit game I did was called King Arthur based on um, the film like in 2000 five or something like that but I, I played through the whole thing because i was like that's the cue that i wrote with it and then here comes the thing and there's the stinger and i had nothing to do with putting the music in the game like where it went or how it was playing or anything i was completely removed from it so it was a, it was a whole new experience for me now i'm so involved with the implementation of the music and it's also so um complicated and and layered that it's more like my brain can't turn off the um, the programmer in me where I'm playing. I'm going, ah, that should have been a little yeah. louder. You know, I'm I'm more critical about things. But Dead Space, I remember the first time I played. It was still a test build, but I had done the whole Dead Space thing was a complete uh, experiment, and I had no idea if anything was really going to work or not because no one had really done anything like that before that I could talk to and kind of get some advice from. So the first time I played, and it was just some like hallway that you're walking down, and you go out in kind of an open space with a platform at the end, and you hear this sound, and this necromorph kind of comes, you know, creeping out, and the, and the music builds up, and it attacks you, and you have to fight it. It was just like, oh my gosh, this is like terrifying and awesome all at the same time, because it was so cool to hear the music working really, really well, and I didn't even recognize what I had done because it was you know, layered, 
and there were all these different things happening. The game engine was making the music work with the game, and um, it, it did everything that we had hoped it would do, basically. Yeah, video games require full dynamic music. Talk about this aspect of me, uh, composing. What softwares do you use, and how you should approach making this kind of music based on different genres? Also, this is an excellent topic, I guess, for your for you to discuss in your YouTube channel. Yeah, it's one of those things that um, I've realized lately with my channel. I'm trying to do stuff in like 20 minute chunks, like to keep it fairly accessible and I'll just talk for like an hour and there's so much to talk about with all that especially with interactive music um, it's like so there's a couple of games that I've done the music implementation on they're not um, they're not out they haven't been released yet but when I do that most of the time uh, we're working in wise like WWISE it's a it's a third party um, music and sound implementation app that Really, I use it as another composition tool. I'll kind of have my ideas, like if you're looking at a rock band, let's say, I'll tell the bass player what to play, and I'll tell the keyboard player what to play, the two guitars and the drummer, and then I'll have them all play on their own and kind of do their own thing. And then I put their music that they played with their each instrument on its own, I put that into Wise and kind of build the song up that way. Yeah. Now, the only difference yeah. is... Instead of a band, it's usually, you know, maybe some drums and a synthesizer and French horns, and it's me doing all of these things. But the idea is kind of the same. It's like you're almost making these puzzle pieces, and then you put them all into Wise, and they're combinable in so many different ways. And I find that you get a lot more mileage out of the music that way, as opposed to having a two-minute or three-minute stereo track that just kind of loops. Because yeah. I... the looping, you know, repetition, bad. I use FMOD for this, and I remember first time I used yeah, that, yep. it was so amazing that it's basically the computer is kind of orchestrating your music, and not a lot of composers, although, do this uh, part themselves, so when did, when did you start doing it yourself, working with WISE? Um, with Dead Space, with the first Dead Space. Which was, I mean, geez, it was 11 years ago now. And it was one of those things. Um, it was, and it wasn't Wise or FMOD back then. It was just all in um, Max DSP. Um, it was a, you know, a coded thing that EA did specifically. But the idea was we had four layers of music that could, any one of them could be louder or softer at any point in time, depending on the gameplay. So that was when I had to start learning you couldn't do a lot of interactive audio back then either. There, it wasn't being music, I mean. Interactive music on that sort of scale wasn't being done just because there weren't the tools available to do it yet. And the technology was barely able to support it. But since this was EA, you know, they had their own video engine they were using and their own audio engine, so they were able to build this in. And literally, we could have four stereo tracks playing at the same time and then um, stingers that could come in whenever we wanted to. And that was my beginning to interactive music because even the stingers, we would make them um, random. Because I, I said, well, if we've got the music changing and it's really dynamic with the gameplay, when that necromorph jumps out from around the corner and scares you, why would we have the same stinger play? Like if you get killed and you have to play yeah. it again, let's randomize the stingers. So I did, I mean, probably like 80 or 100 different stingers that uh, it would the game would pull from like a pool of maybe 10 and randomly 
uh, trigger a different one each time to just help with the immersion and kind of keep things from being too repetitious. Yeah. So, uh, you're a very diverse composer and many games with different genres you've tackled. How do you choose your projects? What do you suggest for newcomers? Well, the projects definitely choose me. That's, that's the first thing. Um, I think, I think there's a, a misnomer out there with composers that have any sort of um, decent, you know, games or films or TV shows in their credit list. Uh, if you are kind of at the bottom of the totem pole looking up, you're picturing, you know, someone with like a, a checklist and like, ah, I don't want to do that one, sideswipe. I'll do that one, check. You know, I don't want to do that one. It's really more <laughs> about the opportunities that are presented. And I have turned down some projects, but it's been more um, a scheduling, you know, workload issue than it's been like, oh, that doesn't sound very interesting to me. I have yet to find anything, especially in games, that doesn't sound like it's an interesting kind of idea that the people are super excited about what they're working on and there's a lot of potential for me to try some new things and and learn new stuff, which is really my number one decision behind anything if I'm gonna to commit to it. I, I, I would say, if I did Dead Space and then I didn't do anything else and then I did Dead Space 2 and then someone was like, hey, we want you to do a horror game, I probably would have agreed, but I would have done it in a completely different way. Because I don't wanna, so the one thing I don't like is, um, and no one, and to be fair, no one's asked me, hey, we love Dead Space, we're doing a scary game, can you do a score like that for us? It's usually, hey, we love Dead Space, we're doing a scary game, we want music that has that kind of emotion, but it needs to be different because our game is XYZ. That's what's interesting, definitely. So, uh, congratulations for your YouTube channel, it's amazing. I recommend Thank anyone who's you. in music to check it out, it's such a helpful channel and why did you decide to do it and how do you find time to do it? So there's a couple of conferences all over the world that happen every year. And I, especially for about the last five or six years, up until maybe two years ago, I was traveling a lot because I love, first of all, just meeting other composers. And I love meeting younger composers because I see, you know, myself and every single one of them. And when I was growing up, you know, we didn't have this internet and the way we can Skype and the way you can watch YouTube videos or even Twitter or there was no way to connect with composers who were more experienced than me. And there was no way to sort of bond and, and you know, share fun things. So unfortunately with my schedule, I can't travel as much as I used to especially you know overseas if you're talking a week or 10 days out of my schedule it can get it can get really tricky and i've done skypes like this for different schools um overseas and uh over here like at berkeley or even in north carolina <clears throat> because i love the idea of going and being able to talk to students i was an education major in college before i switched to composition and that's a hundred percent due to my band director in high school, who's who's on my channel? That's Alan that does Drunk on Music. That's he's my band director from high school. So I think I've always had that kind of desire to help and teach, and my schedule's keeping me from traveling and talking as much as I would like. 
and YouTube just seemed like a natural place to make it happen. Honestly, it took me about a year and a half to get started just because it was a little scary. Um, I, I'm ever since I started going to conventions 17 years ago, I'd sit down at a composer talk <clears throat> and it'd be bullet points. And if you weren't a composer, it was very interesting because they're explaining on a sort of higher level how they came up with the score. <clears throat> if you were a composer and you were hoping on some, some tips, um, you know, maybe learn some new technical things that you hadn't learned before, it's pretty much a wash because for whatever reason, most composers, I think, have a feeling if they share some of those intimate things that they've learned themselves, they're somehow like missing out on work or they're they're giving away secrets and their competition is going to be you know better than they are or something and I've never really felt like that um, I've always thought that you know elevating the the general pool of knowledge and talent just makes yeah. music better in general and the people that are going to be watching my kind of videos um, they're trying to learn something. They're trying to better themselves. They're doing what I'm trying to do all the time. And like I said, I was an actor and I was in musicals. And it's just the idea of being able to connect with people and share something that maybe I've learned after 20 years of you know pain and, <laughs> and anguish <laughs> as a freelance composer. Um, and being able to kind of have this family of people is is really really great i i love it and i'm really glad that i finally jumped into it you know yeah really thank you so much for this channel i remember first time i saw it i was like, yeah finally jason is doing youtube <laughs> and i and it was a, a cubase workflow and i was like come on not cubase workflow i know cubase go deeper but i watched the video and i was like dude it's it's like I never used Cubase. There's so much tips there, so much great stuff there. I oh, learned a great. lot. Th this is amazing. Please continue to do this, and thank you again for doing this for free. <laughs> this is gold. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, that's another thing with, and I won't <clears throat> I won't get into it on my YouTube channel, but I do have some you know, some frustrated issues with music education in, in general when when schools are trying to keep up to date with technology and do things that will kind of educate the students and help them compete on a, on a current level. It's, it's like there's this physical missed connection because by default, if you're teaching, you're not you know, if I'm a full-time teacher, I'm not out there writing music 40 hours a week, and I'm not in the trenches. So I, I like the idea of maybe bridging that gap a little bit and, and helping, especially the up-and-coming composers, kind of keep current with what's going on. And to be fair, I have no idea what anybody else is doing. You know, this is just what I'm doing and, and how I use this stuff and kind of the way I've streamlined my, my workflow. But that's that's great to hear because honestly the hardest part was starting the channel and where, where do I begin and I know what I really want to do is go back and talk about like Dead Space especially but those sessions are you know 14 13, 12 12 years old now and I'm I, I have yet to crack them open but what I like about Cubase is I can show you everything 
when we're going to go back to dead space, it's going to be like, well, I think I did this and, you know, all these plugins no longer exist and this one isn't registered anymore. <laughs> but here, let's talk about in an abstract way, like how I came about it. I like specifics. I like being really specific. And I would rather share too much information over, a, you know, a five hour session, which I just did with the, uh, the song that I wrote for Moss. Yeah. I thought I was going to spend 60 yeah. minutes and talk about it, and it's like five and a half hours of stuff. Um, I would rather do that and let people jump around and be like, oh, there's where he talks about like miking percussion. Let me listen to that. Then do the, the overview and be like, oh, yeah, look, I used a compressor and an EQ. Now let's move on to the – if I were watching it, I'd be like, whoa, what compressor did you use? Like how did you determine – the threshold like why did you i see the eq curve but why did you pick that frequency i i'm a i'm a whore for details i want to know like yeah. all of it that's awesome so how do you choose the topics of your videos <laughs> i well i've got the list that i published uh when i first started i had a, like multiple pages of things i wanted to do and right now it's all um just relevant to what is going on at this point in time. So um, I'm doing Moss at the moment because the soundtrack just came out a couple of weeks ago. I loved working on that score and I want to be able to kind of talk about it while it's still fresh in my head. Um, everything else is just a matter of, well, I'm honestly, I'm still building up kind of my background, like foundation of how I work. That's why they had the Cubase overview. That's why you had all of those super long VE Pro things and I did something on reverb. I want to be able to reference things now that I know how to put text up on the movie. <laughs> I learned that a couple of weeks ago. You do it alone. I want to be able to... Uh, huh? You do it alone, the whole YouTube channel? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's just... You're, you're looking at it. Um... No, I figured out how to do the, the title. So I can say, if I'm doing something for Moss, I don't have to spend 20 minutes talking about, well, I just did this, talking about how I did reverb, because I did it in a previous, I can just say, hey, if you want to know more, just check out this one, and I flash it up on the screen. And it's about, um, well, people understanding when I'm in this massive, like, 3,000 template Cubase file, how I'm navigating and... Um, not confusing them, like being as straightforward as I can. Because the bottom line is, for me, it's it's the hammer um, that everybody has. The carpenter is each one of us individually. So, I mean, I can tell you what hammer I'm using, and you can go buy the exact same hammer, and if it works for you, fantastic. If you want a different hammer, no problem. But, you know, our our background and our experience and our personality and the instruments we play is what is going to make a difference between when you write a action piece of music and I write a action piece of music, even if we're using the exact same sounds. And that's the thing that I am frustrated with a lot of my um, kind of other composers, because either they, they just don't want to talk about it because it's boring, or they don't want to talk about it because they don't want to kind of give away those trade secrets. <laughs> so... Uh... Let's talk about Moss. It's such a great score. I haven't got time to play the mm. game, but the music is really heart-touching. How was the experience of making music for a VR game? So the VR aspect uh, didn't have a whole lot to do with the music in, in, in this game. Um, my first VR game was a game called Farlands that shipped with Oculus, like literally when it launched. And I worked with the guys at Oculus very closely. Um, 
to do kind of the spatial idea of the music in a 3D space, especially some very specific kind of um, levels where the there's characters on screen that are like singing or um, these little bugs. I did four-part harmony, um, like kind of fun, like one of them was beatboxing and things like that, um, you know, through the zoos and stuff. So that was very spatial. You could move around and the music would, you know, stay in one spot and kind of spin around your head as you turned it. Um, and I've done some other VR things like um, Lone Echo and there was one other game that I'm forgetting at the moment. But with Moss, we kind of took the music in a different direction. I think mostly because the game was just so good. Uh, originally when we started, there was a kind of stinger system in place. Uh, you know, you, you pick up a little thing and get a trophy or something and a little musical cue plays and, um, you know, the little mechanical beetles come out, you're going to fight and there's like a stinger that plays and then maybe some combat music. And I felt like it was a little too on the nose. Um, and the company, Polyarch, who are amazing, even said they were sort of going for kind of a Nintendo sort of vibe with the music. Yeah. And I think that works great for Nintendo games. My kids are playing Breath of the Wild all the time right now, so I'm very familiar with the way their music system works. And I didn't... It just... The game didn't need that. The game needed music to kind of just sit in the background and, and underscore the emotion more than it did to highlight the action. So we did a preliminary test for E3 where we did all those stingers and everything. That was the first, kind of my first jump into the game. But once they came back a couple of minutes, a couple of months after that, I had a call with the audio director and said, look, he's like, oh, the music was great and everything was really cool. I was like, good, good, that's great. What if we do something completely different? <laughs> He's like, oh, well, like, like, like what? And I was like, well, and I sort of explained what I just said. No, the, um, the audio director was amazing, and I sent him all the instruments, like I was talking about with the rock band, and it gave yeah. him a lot of flexibility to kind of have the music in the background to paint this kind of, like, landscape with the music. And I, I think that it was great because it really underscores the emotion of the game. And it helps with your connection yeah. to um, this adorable little mouse. Yeah, so uh, tomorrow I'm going to make a remix of Home to Me, and I probably send it with that awful okay. Dungeon Siege of mine I did back in 2011, so you can evaluate how I'm going. <laughs> that sounds great, I'd love yeah. to. Of people who make music for video games, who do you uh, look up to most? Um. Probably by no coincidence, the ones that are my closest friends. Um, there's something, and this is another reason I love this YouTube channel that I'm working on, because there's something about composers. Most of us seem to all have a very similar personality. And when you can connect with another human being on, on that sort of a level, it, it really makes a big difference. Um, if you add the fact that they've written a bunch of music that you think is amazing and you have so much respect for them, it just kind of elevates the relationship even more. So the, the, there's so many, but the top three that come to mind are um, Jessica Curry, whom I love and I met like probably four years ago. Uh, Austin Winery, who I also love and I met like six years ago, I think. And then Gary Scheiman, who I've known the longest. Yeah. Uh, I've known him for probably 10, 10 years now. 
I believe. Yeah. Um, all of them are just amazing, amazing composers. And there's so, I mean, there's so many other people. Jesper Kidd, uh, I've known him forever. That goes back a really long way. Um, yeah, I, I, I could keep talking, but th I'd say those are, those are the first ones off the top of my head. Yeah. So, uh, although you have covered a lot of this in your channel, but for the people who don't know, talk about your toys and plugins and DAW. <laughs> so I used Digital Performer for a really, really, really long time. And I became friends with uh, Lauren Balf probably six or seven years ago. And he was constantly giving me grief for not using Cubase. <laughs> <laughs> to, to the point when, I, if I were in L.A. for something, I'd go by to see him, and he would literally, like, grab me by the shirt and pull me into his room and start showing me, like, see, Cubase does this, and Cubase does that, and it's so cool. And so just the fact that I can hit a button on my iPad and only see my drum channels is is really, really powerful. So I've been using Cubase for about the past four years and just dove in. I mean, I'm one of those geeky guys. I read the manual cover to cover with little post-it notes and notes in the margin and everything. Um, so I've been doing that for a really long time now. I also use Ableton. Um, I was introduced to that on a particular game that hasn't been released yet. Just because of its clips and the way it manages things, you can randomize things and do some interesting stuff with interactive music. Kind of fake it in a way, and it gives you an idea what it's going to yep. sound like. And then I use Pro Tools, but that's only on the back end when I've come back from a recording session because it's always done in Pro Tools. Um, for for plugins, sound toys, Fab Filter, and UAD probably cover ninety five percent of everything that I do. Yeah, and I, also I just Cubase and Ableton. I use Ableton mostly for electronic stuff, but Cubase for bigger sessions. And they're all fantastic. Yeah, Fab Filter, Sound Toys. And one of the good things about your channel is that you, you always get to know more plugins and see it kind of like a demo, that how it works. If it's good, you're going to get it. So, yeah, thank you for that. Please do it more. Please do introduce more, you know, plugins. So, I have a question. What was your first uh, synthesizer that you bought yourself? I bought a Roland D10 in high school in like 1990 yeah. and um yeah. it was a very it's basically like the baby brother of the roland d50 um and i did a lot i had that and a alesis sr16 drum machine which they still make which is kind of crazy but those two things were kind of my first foray into um like midi or electronic music i didn't even have a sequencer or a computer then so i would program the drum machine which you could use a pedal to do a drum fill and go to a b section and then pedal and drum fill and go back to the a i'd program the drum machine and i'd have a like accompaniment part on my keyboard and i had a tape recorder with a little microphone built into it so i'd record that and then i'd play that back and get my parents to come upstairs and i'd play the melody over the recording and that was my <laughs> first like you know multi-track composition time <laughs> so uh speaking of synthesizer what's your favorite uh software synthesizer if i had to pick one yep like you're an island <laughs> probably zebra zebra yeah me too yeah yeah yuhi 
but but I have to cheat a little bit. It has to be Zebra combined with uh, Matt's sounds from the Unfinished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have I, I own every sound bank that he makes, and the the Zebra sounds themselves are amazing. But Matt really takes it to a whole nother level, and um, that that's probably my first go to because they can do so many different kinds of synthesis and so many different kinds of sounds. Yeah. Yeah, I have my own bank. I'll probably send it to you. <laughs> See how it how it is. Oh, really? yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear. So, also, I have this new uh, synth called Thorn. Have you heard of it? I have the uh, I have the computer music demo, and I haven't listened to it yet, but I've heard lots of good stuff about it. Yeah, this is crazy. This is completely something new. It has a glitch arpeggiator. It's going to change the whole right. sound. Of it. It's amazing. Check it out. So, um, if you could have a chance to score one particular film or video game, what would that be? Well, for video games, it's easy. I just want to work with Naughty Dog and do whatever they're working on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what they're doing. I just want to work with them. I, I love... Some Uncharted with Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah, a, a little bit. You know, it was a little on the spooky side um, just because that's how the, the game presented itself. Um, and I've worked with the Sony... So Naughty Dog outsources their music because Sony publishes for them and that Sony does that for a lot of developers and I've worked with the same music team that Naughty Dog uses because I've worked with Sony on multiple projects and so I'm like one degree away from actually you know working with them specifically but I just love how they have a very cinematic and character driven story for their games yeah. it's just like really down to earth and emotional at its core that's that's why they're number one on my list so any film, any director? Jeez. Um, I would just love to do any kind of a um, like sci-fi fantasy kind of a thing. Um, not, not Star Wars specifically, because to me there's just so much musical baggage in a good way that comes with something like that. But yeah, the, the fantasy and sci-fi genres have a lot of kind of open musical possibilities um to be able to do something kind of epic but but also like a little bit out there i did a little bit with the heroes of might and magic stuff with ubisoft i'd love yeah. to do more stuff like that so uh, you're a big uh, john william john williams fan uh have you ever met him yes yeah. i have so as a matter of fact the very the very first episode of um, Drunk on Music with, with Alan uh, on my channel, we talk about it for like an hour. It was amazing. It was amazing. I mean, I got to... Alan and I went to a concert in Pittsburgh, and Alan pulled his band director card, and we got into the dress rehearsal. And we literally got to watch the second half of the rehearsal. We stormed the stage afterwards and hung out with him for like 15 minutes. Wow. <laughs> we got pictures... And I mean, he's like, oh, you have anything you want me to sign? Oh, do you want to have a picture? It was so amazing. We were walking off stage, literally off stage, because it was like he was just standing there by himself. We were walking off stage and started to go down the steps and I, the, the room started spinning. I was actually getting lightheaded because I think I was hyperventilating a little bit. And I had to sit down and like put my head between my knees. And Alan's like patting me on the back. And I'm like, I just can't believe that just happened. I can't believe that just happened. He was so nice and so gracious and so polite and so eager to listen to everything that we had to say. 
It was, I mean, I literally couldn't have scripted it better. Like, it was amazing. Awesome. So, thank you so much, Jason, for your excellent taste in music and giving the audience <laughs> of your game so much joy for uh, giving composers around the world inspiration to do better. I always look up to you and I always enjoy your music. So, and thank, thank you so much for this opportunity. This is this means a lot exactly like you met John Williams <laughs> for me is like meeting Jason Graves. Thank you so much. Well, okay. And thank, thank you so much for the YouTube too. That's amazing. Please c continue this. I hope other people find it out and enjoy it. Absolutely, I do too. And by the way, now that we've connected, um, when some other things come out, like I know I've got. A really cool video game. Uh, it was coming out in November. Now it's coming out, I think, like next March, maybe. Yeah. Um, any yeah. anything that pops up that sounds interesting, just send me an email now, sure. and we can do another Skype. Sure. It's it's super easy. That's gonna sure. be amazing. Thank you so much. Sir. <laughs> yeah. You're very welcome. Keep in touch, and I'm looking forward to hearing your uh, your remix and your Dungeon Siege song. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Catch you later. All right, Bye. take it easy. Goodbye.